If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. It's Yo, good. What's all up? good was the last thing we heard. <laughs> it was one of those ones where I I expected it. As soon as Kevin said, oh, fuck. All right, now this should work. And press play. Yeah. I was like, it's going to take forever for this thing to transition. Why to the would it take thing. so long? I don't understand. Because you got to adjust the numbers. You got to adjust it. You got to let it know Lots that now the, the intro is shorter. You got to do the bloops and the bleeps, Kevin. No, Yo, what's up? Like, Welcome. It's the same button I used to press. I created yeah, well, a new you gotta, you gotta holiday adjust it. one. God, you listen, gotta adjust. I've, I've worked here long enough to know when I hear Kevin say, oh, fuck, that means some bullshit is about to go down. And that has not failed me ever since I've started working with that mindset. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, November 1st, 2021. I'm on your host, Blessing, Adelia Jr. Joining me is the LaCroix Poppy himself, Tim Ma-Fucking-Gettys. This morning, I'm drinking a hibiscus. Whoa. LaCroix. You start oh, off it's... your mornings with LaCroix? I don't stop drinking LaCroix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 24-7, baby. Let's go. Tim, I love that you brought back the hat. And you got the matching bomber jacket. Mm-hmm. Very gotta fresh. Got to do it. Very fresh. How was your Halloween weekend? It was fantastic. I beat Guardians of the Galaxy. What a fucking video game, Bless. That thing, we did our review, and I was like over halfway done, and I was really into it. I did not expect to just keep, keep, keep loving it more and more and more the entire time. What a game. I can't believe it. I put it up there with Spider-Man from Insomniac. Wow. I wow. really do. I really do. I've said this a couple times, but I, I want to reiterate it, that it is as good of a guard. No, it is a better Guardian story than Insomniac Spider-Man is wow. a Spider-Man story. And I think that it's excellent. It doesn't need to be a competition. I'm saying they're both in the same regards for me. Where Shout out to y'all. Marvel that's Games. awesome. Killing it with rare exceptions. That, that's awesome. I will say that I've gotten <laughs> further than I was uh, during the review. And on the review, I was pretty high on it. I was like, this is a solid, good game. Uh, and I was in around, I want to say like chapter 10. Uh, I made about two, I made it about two more chapters in and the game does keep getting better. I am very impressed so far where, where it's going in the, in these last few chapters. And so like, you know, my opinion on it keeps going up. I will say that I, I, I think I'm aligned with you in terms of this is a very good Guardians game. Like Guardians of the Galaxy being Guardians of the Galaxy, this game knows how to be Guardians of the Galaxy. And I still have some, some of my complaints with gameplay and like combat and all this stuff. But regardless, I think the character work and the story and all that stuff is fantastic. And I would say, Probably, yeah, on par with Spider-Man Insomniac in terms of how good of a Spider-Man story versus a Guardian story this thing is. So I, I hear I hear where you're coming from. Yeah, the, the big thing there that I want to clarify is that it. I do think that the gameplay is very, very good. I do think the Spider-Man gameplay is better, but that's just because it's more fun to be Spider-Man than it is to be the Guardian. So that's just, I think, an inherent thing. Of If you nail Spider-Man gameplay, that's kind of like nailing lightsaber gameplay. You're just, you mm. did the thing, and we're all going to be extremely happy. Yeah, but I will say... inherently fun. I think there's more less fun bullshit stuff like the MJ stuff in Spider-Man than I think there's bullshit stuff in Guardians. But that's a conversation for another time. Oh, interesting. Let's maybe have this conversation on Gamescast because I'm very curious on where you want to go with this because I think that's a really fun conversation. The one thing I will say, though, the one thing that I think has really bothered me (laughs) as Mm -hmm. I've reached the final hours of Guardians is how much Rocket says the word Flark. I think you I think you might have tweeted about this. Mm. Uh, Tam tweeted and I responded. And here is my defense. 
for anybody that is complaining for how often they say it, think about how often you swear unnecessarily and try to stop it. Cause I needed to reflect mm. on myself where I'm like, I'm noticing it. So it's bothering me. And I'm like, but why is it bothering me when I say fuck every other sentence in normal conversation? I am part of the problem. Mm. They are just, it's social commentary about Tim Gettys. Bless. It, it reminds me of Life is Strange where I think one of people's big complaints with the first Life is Strange game is how much they say hella. And we use, we use hella so much though. Yeah, and, and like in and over over here on this side of the country, y'all do be saying hella a lot. Like that, I don't think that was inaccurate. Don't but worry, for, don't worry, you'll, so you'll start one day. Oh, I've already started using hella. I don't use it as much as y'all. I don't. I don't. No, I don't that's what I'm saying. You'll start one day. You'll go visit home, and they'll be like, "Wow, you say hella a lot," and you'll be like, "Oh no!" It's like, oh shit, they've affected me. They now, did see, it. the worst thing is like y'all affected me. I say it demonstrably less than I ever have in my life because I'm surrounded by you bozos. Mm, Take it away, my fair. fucking culture. I hate it. I hate that's it. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah, I will say the flark in this game is what Hello was in Life is Strange, where I'm not I'm not from space, so I don't hear flark that often. So when I hear somebody using flark a billion times in one chapter, I'm like, Rocket, what the flark is going on? Calm down. Stop saying this word so much. But Tim, I digress. Let's talk about video game news because it is a huge news day. And when I say huge news day, I mean there's a lot of news stories. All of them probably around that like, you know, medium <laughs> to like slightly high range of importance and excitement but we still got a lot to dig into so tim let's talk about a partnership between sega and microsoft a surprise game review segment and more because this is kind of funny games daily each and every weekday at 10 a.m live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about if you're watching live you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kind of funny.com slash you're wrong if you don't want to watch live you can watch later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games roosteeth.com or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily remember you can use epic creator code kind of funny on all epic store and epic in-game purchases like rocket league and fortnite to help support the channel to be a part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you over the weekend of course you had halloween the greatest holiday of the year but on Halloween, not only did you get to go trick-or-treating, you got to watch the final episode of the Arkham Files, which went up. That is Barrett's breakdown of the Arkham series. This final episode is all about Arkham Knight, and that's up right now for your, for, for your viewing pleasure over on YouTube.com slash games. And then... Right after this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily, the battle for the CEO of Kind of Funny continues in Mario Party Superstars. Uh, this time around, it's Nick, Kevin, Barrett, and Roger competing to see who will, who will lead Kind of Funny now that Greg is gone on paternity leave. Uh, this one is going down right here on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games and later on, I believe, like, I, I've been saying YouTube.com says Kind of Funny Plays, but I think these were uploading to YouTube.com says Kind of Funny Games. Is that correct? Exactly. That is correct, yes. Awesome. The entire tournament will be there. Awesome. And so if you missed this last one, of course, check out youtube.com slash kind of funny games. And let me tell you, that is one that you for sure want to check out because goddamn Mario Party Superstars, it gives and it takes away. <laughs> Three hours of magic and insanity. Magic and insanity. And this next one is going to feature Nick and Tim, or not Nick and Tim, sorry, Nick and uh, Kevin in the same stream and Barrett, who's been practicing and Roger, who's the next factor. You do not want to miss this next stream. So stay tuned for that. Get hyped for that. Uh, and then also later today, we're recording PS I Love You XOXO over on Patreon. And if you're a Patreon supporter, you can write in with your reader mail. This week's episode will be all about the state of state of play so write in with what your thoughts were on this playstation on this latest playstation state of play uh showing and janet and i will discuss your write-ins thank you to our patreon producers pranksy and blackjack today we're brought to you by honey american giant and credit karma but 
We'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have seven stories today. A baker's dozen. Another busy Monday, starting with our story number one. Sega and Microsoft have announced a strategic alliance around cloud. This is Andy Robinson at Video Games Chronicle. Sega has announced it's agreed to a strategic alliance with Microsoft, which will see the Japanese giant, uh, Japanese gaming giant develop games using the Xbox firm's Azure cloud platform. The deal, which Sega said on Monday had been, quote, agreed in principle, end quote, will see it produce large-scale global games in, next, in a next-generation development environment built on Microsoft's Azure cloud uh, platform, end quote. Sega said the alliance would form a key part of its mid to long term strategy, allowing the business to move forward with, quote, Super Game, uh, an, a new initiative for developing titles that focus on pillars of global online community and IP utilization. Everyone's favorite set of words. Oh, my God. And here's, here's the thing, right? This is a big news story, but it's one of those ones that is very businessy and very technological and uses so many buzzwords. So strap in and Tim, I can't wait. I can't wait to break this one down with you because it's a lot. Quote. This proposed alliance represents Sega looking ahead, the company's statement reads. And by working with Microsoft to anticipate such trends as they accelerate further in the future, the goal is to optimize development processes and continue to bring high quality experiences to players using Azure cloud technologies, end quote. It added, quote, Microsoft and Sega have agreed upon the foundation for this alliance and through mutual cooperation, we'll look forward or we'll look to build further technological evolutions with areas such as the network infrastructure and communication tools required for global online services being a key priority. Additionally, by shifting to a next generation development platform, Sega can effectively adapt to diversifying work styles and potential infrastructural changes, end quote. Microsoft CVP Sarah Bond commented in a prepared statement, quote, Sega has played such an iconic role in the gaming industry and has been such a tremendous partner over the years. We look forward to, to working together as they explore new ways to create unique gaming experiences uh, for the future using Microsoft Cloud technologies. Together, we'll, we'll, we'll reimagine how games get built, hosted, and operated with a goal of adding more value to players and Sega alike, end quote. Sega is planning to release what it's calling a super game within the next five years, according to a recent presentation. Microsoft has been openly licensing its cloud server technology to games companies in recent years. Microsoft and Sony announced a strategic partnership back in May 2019, which will result in the PlayStation Maker using Microsoft Azure data, data centers for cloud gaming and content streaming services. Now, Tim, to the best of your ability, mm -hmm. can you translate what I just read? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's just they're, they need to partner with bigger companies because bigger companies are the only ones that have any chance of cloud actually really working. And this is something we've seen the last couple of years in terms of streaming uh, video games, but also in terms of using the cloud to help develop and, you know, the whole work from home situation that has plagued so many different companies, I think has allowed a lot of major benefits and a lot of collaboration. And they even brought up the partnership with Sony that they announced back in 2019. I was looking it up because I remember recently uh, there was an, a semi-update to that and in april of this year uh we had jim ryan uh being interviewed and he said we can conceivably use the cloud for our technical infrastructure but the cloud gaming experience we're offering will be unique and only on playstation uh 
at the end of the cycle, the cloud may play some role. I'm more optimistic about the future than I was a year ago. And I kind of think that is the the key thing here. It's like, this is a technology that is still in its uh, infant stages. And the quicker that everybody can kind of like work together to figure out the problems and kind of like share the information, I think it's just going to be better for video games overall for everybody. And that's why I think that we see groups like Sega and as well as Sony, be like, you know what? Microsoft seems to have it down. They have uh, the infrastructure there. And what we need to remember about Microsoft is they have billions of dollars and they happen to make video games. It's mm -hmm. not necessarily like, oh, just the video games that allow them to thrive, unlike places like Nintendo or, uh, you know, even to a different extent, Sony, which has a bunch of other arms like its film division and otherwise. But even those are kind of not in their best moments in time currently so leaning on microsoft makes a lot of sense like you're looking at it there's google there's amazon there's microsoft microsoft's established in gaming the other guys have tried or are still trying or are building something up but this makes a lot of sense um a lot of the words that i called out earlier that i'm like oh, great but like the pillars being global online community and ip utilization like i know that that's the IP utilization shouldn't be a bad thing, but it definitely makes you go, oh, no. Yeah, it's like, oh, no. Like, like what are you going to do to the things that we love? Yeah, exactly. That That's pretty much it. Um, but, yeah, I think that overall, like, all that shit aside, I do think this is really good news. And I think that it is this level of collaboration between developers, publishers, hardware makers, like, everybody needs to kind of be on the same page or at least moving in the same direction in order mm -hmm. for cloud to ever be something that is, like, really a substantial difference maker. And I think that that isn't just for people playing games it's really for people developing games and being able to share resources and all that and that is key for the future of AAA game development all the way down and all the way potentially up if quadruple a really becomes a thing because games are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger so they need to be able to have more varied ways to be able to be created if they're going to sustain that yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely spot on. Right. And I think there's a you look at this news. Right. And say collaboration between Sega and Microsoft. And you look at it, you compare it to the collaboration between PlayStation and Microsoft doing the very similar thing. Right. And it's the thing of, hey, this is Microsoft. Microsoft is one of the big dogs that has this. Right. Like there are very few big, gigantic companies that have this type of cloud infrastructure. You're talking about Microsoft. You're talking about Amazon. You're talking about only a few companies. And so it makes sense that for Sega, if you want to break into something like this, which for video games, it makes a lot of sense on multiple levels. You have to look at one of those and go, cool, which one? which one are we going to partner with? And it makes a lot of sense that Sega looks at a company like Microsoft who does have their hands in video games and does have the Xbox platform which Sega wants to have their games on. That makes the most sense. And I think what strikes me as interesting about this is what is the extent to which this partnership is going to impact the games? Is this going to be, hey, Sega, we're Sega and we're, gonna, we're, we're working on a game that is taking advantage of the cloud from an infrastructural standpoint. We are making a game that is you logging in from not only your console, but your phone and all that ties together and all the data is uploaded to the cloud. We're using the cloud to make an even bigger open world, to make a game that, uh, 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 you know, functions off of the cloud or uh, as much as it functions on the hardware, right? Like you're talking about, when you're talking about game design in that aspect, you're talking about like opening up your limits and trying to make something bigger and better. That could be a potential. The other potential is, hey, this is just to, this is just to optimize our, um, like, or streamline our work, right? Like for game development, especially now that we're a couple years into a pandemic, work from home has become a, such a big thing. And something like this can help out a lot for developers who are working from home and want to be able to develop from home and uh, could use something like the cloud to be able to work better, right? And be able, be, be, be able to work with other developers or people on their team from home in a way that isn't 
as much of a hassle because the cloud helps with that kind of thing. And there's like, there's plenty of things in between those two things as well, right? And I think mm -hmm. the thing that strikes this is very interesting is the previous talk we had, uh, I feel like months ago at this point, it might have been weeks ago, times a flat circle, about Sega announcing their plans to work on a super game, which, you know, at the time we, we laugh at that and go, what the fuck is a super game? But you look at that and then you look at the, uh, the focus on the pillars, like glo global, quote, online quote community quote ip utilization and it's like cool what are you guys doing like what is this going to be is this a hey we want to make a like a genshin impact or something that is a big living breathing world or something that is that is mmo adjacent but taken to another level is that what this vision is um and i think it could be and i think that could be cool but you know a lot a lot of this feels very much like a hey we this is us looking toward the future on where the where the where the industry is going and trying to catch up or trying to at least like be the ones that are able to to spearhead that uh, and stay ahead of the game. Which you know who knows that could be a really cool thing depending on what this ends up being. Yeah, absolutely. Tim, like I said before, right? I I, I teased out that today we're talking about this second Microsoft thing. I also said that uh, we're doing a surprise game review segment, and it is time we have in the call. Roger Percorny, uh, and this is story number two. I'm adding a new Roper Report segment called Roger Reviews. Roger, as Kind of Funny Games Daily started, a review embargo went up for unpacking yes. a nice little indie game that uh, quite a few people on our team have been pretty excited for, and a lot of people on the internet have been pretty excited for. Roger, can you tell me about unpacking? First of all, what is unpacking? Second of all, what are your thoughts and impressions? Sure. Yeah. Unpacking is a game that sounds exactly like it's title, right? You start off and you are unpacking someone's room and the game progresses as with different rooms and different parts in this person's life, right? So it starts off with, I believe she's like eight years old and you're unpacking like a bunch of stuffed animals in her first ever like real room. And then it goes into like her college dorm and then her second college dorm and then her first apartment and so on and so forth. Um, and I just found this game entirely a delight. I think it's my game of the year so far, for sure. Really? Wow. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a really special game because it takes this concept, this very simple concept on paper, and it just pushes it. Keeps on pushing it to make sure that every single thing that's in it works uh, completely, and it also feels like it is not just there just to be there. Um, so the thing that really caught me off guard was the storytelling in this because it's super subtle, and it if you honestly, if you were just playing it like a very casually you could totally miss it but it's it's a lot of small things that keep on recurring throughout the game little items that come up uh little gags that come up throughout mm -hmm. it uh that really make you in enticed into learning who this person is you don't never learn you don't ever have like a name to this person you never see their face really it's all environmental uh there's no text there's no dialogue there's no timers uh, when you're unpacking things. So it's a very slow moving game if you want it to be. Um, but yeah, no, the storytelling really took me off guard because as you grow and you figure out this person's life and you see them in different areas in this new, uh, in these new places that they're moving into, uh, you start to kind of pick around and, and figure out who this person is and really get a grasp of them. And I think that's really incredible, honestly. So Kevin, I dropped a trailer in assets if you want to pull that up because that that is more than what I expected this game to be yeah. based off of what we've seen from the trailers. Because in the trailers, know, it looks very much like one of those cozy, hey, you are just unpacking shit, right? Like, it reminded yeah. me of, um, I don't even know what a good uh, analogy would be, but, like, it, essentially, like, a lot, like a power wash sim. Or yes, like, I, I wrote this down. I, I felt yeah. like, I thought it was going to be, like, r slash oddly satisfying. Like, I thought that's what yeah, this whole exactly. game was going to be. I thought it was just going <laughs> to be, like, there's a perfect place for everything. And that, honestly, also took me uh, by surprise because this game isn't even, like, 
oh, there's a perfect place for everything. There isn't. It's perfectly imperfect, just like moving in real life, right? You move mm-hmm. into a new place and it's like, oh, of course we all would have like to have like a perfect place to put our PS5, but we kind of always don't really yeah, have that no place. No one has a perfect place for the PS5. <laughs> it's too tall. Yeah, it's, I, 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 it's 16 inches tall. What the fuck, Sony? <laughs> Dude, no, exactly. When I was moving into this place, I also, I just moved for the first time in my life. So this kind of hit like a chord a little bit. So, um, mm-hmm. so like, but like when you move into these new places, right? It's like you have all these pans and pots and you're like, fuck, where do I put any of this? And there is a place for it. There is like a puzzle element to this game where like at the ending, after you unbox everything, it like starts like flashing red if you put something in like a really crazy place. But there's a lot of solutions to where you can put these places. There's a lot of different options, which I really appreciated. Uh, there's never a moment where when there's like flashing red, like an item, let's say like a soccer ball and, and I'm like, ah, I really wanted to put it there. There is usually a better place for it. And that's the thing I, I really enjoyed that there is uh, a lot of different options. And also I was watching since this embargo uh, lifted a few minutes ago, I was seeing a bunch of people's like you can have a time lapse of your unpacking. And I mm. was blown away by how different a lot of people's designs were uh, comparatively to mine. Uh, there's a lot of different options in there. And sometimes when you're unpacking, you just, you know, our brains work differently, right? We all have different places we put things and everything. So it's cool. It's kind of like an, a look inside of each of our minds to see how we uh, organize things and where we mm. put things, uh, which is which is really interesting. And also, I just want to point out, like, the pixel art in this game is incredible. It is gorgeous. Like, these are, like, such small items like i'm talking like six pixels tall sometimes and you know exactly what they are like they're pulling out game card um uh, they have like this the uh the main character is a gamer and like she has like a gamecube and like i can tell like that's smash brothers like <laughs> that's mario kart like awesome. and these are the smallest pixel art pieces and it's, it's just really a beautiful game and i don't want to give too much away because the story does go places uh, but it's it's really fantastic. I believe I'm at the end of the game. I I can't imagine there's much more to it, but I think I'm at the last level, and I, I'm just I'm just thoroughly enjoying it. And I just want you all to try it out. When you when you say it goes places, what, would you say there are like big twists and turns in the game, or is it just the fact that like there's a story here that yeah uh, you will get invested in? The thing about it that I, I I really enjoy is that it isn't like this insane like hey, hey here's something crazy happening. Like there it, it's very subtle, and there are like certain things like relationships ends yada 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 but there it, it is it is a lot more subtle than you'd expect um there isn't like this huge twist like you know tons of people die or anything like that it's just a lot of subtle little things that you're like oh wow that'd be a wild I, twist yeah it's just like everyone like, no. you get done unpacking you walk outside and everything's on fire yeah no and honestly i was waiting for that twist though because in this game there the pacing is very deliberate which i which i enjoy mm-hmm. is that everything feels real and like everything has weight to it because when you are unpacking i thought this was going to be like more of like okay you can like drag and drop like a bunch of things at a time or whatever but no you have to physically stack books on top of each other if you want to move multiple which is really interesting like if you open up a cabinet and then let's say you open up a door and those two, two things interact there's an animation where they hit each other and then one of them closes which is really cool like it feels real and it feels like genuinely physical in a way that it doesn't feel like a sim it feels like it it, it is this real world that you're going into and all those little attentions to detail and the grid system is also really fantastic like when you're putting these 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 toys onto shelves and uh books into uh bookshelves like it it, it has like these very specific grid systems that allows you to do pretty much anything you ever wanted to like anytime i wanted to put something on a shelf it fits if it looked like it could fit there wasn't a time where i was like ah that's kind of shitty like i i wanted to put that there and i can't i can't put it there that sucks 
Um, so I, I, I really think this game's incredible. It's on Game Pass too. It's coming out tomorrow. Yeah. I think you all should really check it out if you're at least a little bit interested. Yeah, it's out tomorrow on Game Pass, Nintendo Switch, Steam, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have on Switch. You just sold me on it. Like I, I, it's one of the ones where I, I've been wanting to check out, but like you know, there's a billion games out right now. But you just sold me on actually Absolutely. booting it up. And so but one more, one more that. thing about that on on Switch, it has full touch control, which is really amazing. Oh, nice. So you can you can drag and drop with your finger, and it, it rolls. And honestly, I want to see the speed runs of this game. This that's a speed run. <laughs> this is a speed running game that I want to see because I feel like it can go insane. How long does it just go? Uh, I believe in like five six hours into it, and I'm almost done. So okay. it's it's yeah, it's not a bad. Decent length. That's a decent yeah, decent length. length. Yeah. But you can you can get really into it, dude. Like I've been I've been playing like four hours a night or whatever. Like oh my God. get into oh my it. Jesus. Yeah, you can get into it. God. Yeah, Roger, appreciate you so much. Thank you so <laughs> Thank much you so for much. the review. This has been your Thank first episode of Roger Reviews review. segment. It's <laughs> <laughs> part of the Roper Report. Uh, Roger, appreciate you. Have a good day. Thank I'll you. see you Have on. You're running the post show too, so I'll see you yeah. in the post show. See y'all. Bye bye. Tim. Let's get mm-hmm. into story number three. Uh, Nintendo has shuttered its California and Toronto offices. I'm pulling from Ethan Gatch at Kotaku. Nintendo closed its California office today, displacing roughly 100 employees, sources tell Kotaku. Uh, and I should preface that this was written on Friday. This is one, one of the ones that broke after Friday's KFGT and we're talking about today. The Redwood City location was one of three main offices for Nintendo of America, which is, which is headquartered in Redmond, Washington. Sources tell Kotaku the closure included the resignation of the SVP of Sales and Marketing, Nick Chavez, who announced earlier on Friday via LinkedIn that he would be joining Kentucky Fried Chicken to help them continue to grow the Yum! brands. The SVP position was previously held by Doug Bowser, who was promoted to president of Nintendo of America after Reggie fils stepped down in 2019. Nintendo of America confirmed it will be closing its Toronto office as well. Here's the full statement. Quote, Nintendo of America headquarters are in Redmond, Washington, and Vancouver, B.C. We are moving more of our employees and operations into those headquarters and will be closing small satellite offices in Toronto, Ontario, and Redwood City, California over time. End quote. While it's not clear clear what prompted Nintendo to shut down the office, a source told Kotaku that many of the the now-displaced staff uh, were upset over the decision. Closures and restructurings of any kind are rare for Nintendo. The company downsized its South Korea branch in 2016 and restructured Nintendo of Europe back in 2014, which ultimately led uh, to over 300 people being laid off. Former CEO, the late uh, Satoru Iwata, was famously resistant to layoffs, telling investors they were bad for staff uh, morale and took pay cuts during the disastrous Wii U years. Tim, this is one that I I think is a little bit surprising, but uh, I don't know. It it caught me off guard when I saw it on Friday. I was like, oh, shit, this doesn't happen a lot for Nintendo, which the article mentions. Yeah, it doesn't. And and the key thing to keep in mind is like this wasn't really one of their dev studio locations it was more like marketing and uh, a lot of that type of stuff um still very sad obviously like they're saying that a lot of the staff are upset over the decision i've talked to a couple of people that are upset over it as well uh mm-hmm. that i've known that have worked there and yeah it's kind of it's interesting but it sounds like they're just moving them all up to uh closer to actual headquarters i am not surprised i always thought that that um location was a little weird because it's like it wasn't what i expected let me say that like remember mm-hmm. i remember the first time at ign was like oh you're gonna go to nintendo and i went there and i was like huh this is not what i thought nintendo was gonna be uh because it was way more focused on like the the kind of quote-unquote boring sides yeah, uh, like of the business, the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah a lot of businessy stuff a lot of marketing stuff um but yeah to, this it's sad news for the people that are like displaced from this and having to make the choices of you know, that move with them or, or leave. Or, yeah. yeah. So obviously that's that's unfortunate. But 
Um, I think that another interesting thing to look at this is the SVP position of this guy, Nick leaving and what that means where it's like, if Reggie and Doug Bowser are like the lineage of that, they'll end up becoming what they are. Like whoever it gets put in that spot is a very powerful position. Obviously yeah. SVP, very powerful position, but that is kind of the roadmap to becoming the big dog. So yeah. it, interesting thing to keep our eyes on there. That's a really good, really good one to point out there, Tim. I got uh, an interesting news story for you here. Story number mm. four. Thanks to an unnamed fan, Bucksnax's Isle of Big Snacks DLC will now have trophies. This is from George Yang at GameSpot. Bucksnax developer Young Horses has announced that the game's upcoming Isle of Big Snacks DLC will be receiving additional trophies on PlayStation. Originally, the new update for Bucksnax wasn't going to come with any new trophies. However, following some community feedback on Twitter, the developer decided to add them in. A fan had first asked if new trophies were going to be added, but Young Horses said that they, that they weren't at the time. Not giving up, the unnamed fan jokingly offered to come up with a trophy list for free for the developer. Surprisingly, the studio relented, and now new trophies for, uh, uh, for the Big Snacks DLC are coming. Quote, we saw these tweets, and about 20 minutes later in team chat, the sentiment was, I guess we're adding new trophies, says Young Horses co-founder and president Philip Tibodosky. And so that's a big win for that unnamed playstation trophies fan out there good work what a ridiculous news story this is like, <laughs> i saw this all happening over the weekend and for anybody that doesn't know the unnamed fan is one greg miller who was on twitter and was asking demanding you know synonyms at some point get uh, the fuck out trophies be <laughs> <put> into- <laughs> you didn't know kevin <laughs> no man I, I was at a wedding man i was i'm an uninformed <laughs> <laughs> I, it's funny because like as soon as it started, I'd be like, oh, it seems like a Greg Miller move. And yeah, this oh, seems man. like some Greg Miller shit. Turns out yeah. it is Greg Miller. This Turns is funny because Greg dropped this news story in the, the KFGD Slack channel that we have. And it was from like PlayStation Lifestyle. They named Greg and all that stuff. Over the weekend, I was talking to Tamora, and Tamora was like, Yeah, I'm working on the the Buck Sack story, but I told our writer to take out any mention of Greg Miller. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, Tamor, you are a genius and I'm using your write-up. I'm using that write-up. And so shout out to GameSpot for doing the good work over there. I don't know where the pettiest line lies in this story. You know what I mean? Is it Greg begging for trophies or is it not including Greg's name? I love both of it so yeah, fucking much. It's so I'm cool. happy this is happening though. Like, you know, trophies are, we talked about it so, so many times and, and Greg specifically, but it's like trophies mean a lot to an amount of people it's not the mm-hmm. most amount of people but it is the amount of people that the people that do care are invested when a game doesn't have trophies like that is a big letdown for them uh if they are involved in this playstation ecosystem and for these games that are being shown so heavily with the marketing of playstation you kind of expect them to have certain playstation features at this point and bug snacks being one of those that is so heavily featured alongside uh playstation announcements that good for them for adding this you know it's, it's cool that their team's able to be this flexible uh it's you know, kind of of a surprise, honestly, like this is, this requires work. This isn't just a fine, we'll turn it on. So Greg Miller's causing these people more work. And yeah, he's so causing them more work, but like, I think it is jokes aside, you know, I do think it's work, it's work that is worth it because you're right that play, that trophies mean a lot to people. Achievements mean a lot to people, right? Mm-hmm. People love having that thing to chase after. And when you're adding in DLC like this, you know, it's, it's nice to have that incentive of, all right, do I want to check out this DLC? Oh man, I've not played the game in a year. Oh, they're adding trophies. You know, I guess that's another reason to check it out. You know, why not? I like I like earning trophies. That's all. It's and like for people who love hundred percenting shit, 
Booksnacks, I think, is a great game for that because it is very much the that Pokemon aspect of I want to catch them all. You know, I want to take pictures of all the bugs. I want to literally catch all the bugs. Uh, and with that, I think having a trophy that is going to incentivize you actually going through and doing every single thing that you can in a DLC pack like this, I think is a really good thing. And so, yeah, no, honestly, shout out to that. And that's that's a very good call. Tim, you know what else mm-hmm. is a good call? Going over to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Honey. It's time to start thinking about what you're going to get your friends and family for the holidays. And don't be stingy this year. That's okay. I have a little magic that'll bring some extra cheer this year. It's a little thing called Honey. Honey is your personal online shopping assistant. It scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. And Honey supports over 30,000 stores online. So imagine you're shopping at your favorite site, right? When you go to checkout, the Honey button will drop down and all you have to do is click apply coupons. Then sit back and kick your feet up while Honey searches for coupons. If it finds one, you'll watch the price drop uh we love honey very much here kevin uses it for everything that we buy here for kind of funny because we like deals and we like to save money and you should too if you don't already have honey you could be straight up missing out on free savings it's literally free installs in a few seconds and by getting it you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this podcast we'd never recommend something we don't use here at kind of funny so go over and get honey for free at joinhoney.com slash games that's joinhoney.com slash games We're also brought to you by American Giant. Let's be honest, since we're all thinking about it, buying gifts during the holiday season is stressful. It's all about tearing your hair out, trying to find the perfect gift, spending a boatload of money, keeping secrets from your loved ones, and resisting the temptation of the classic gift card cop-out. But there's one thing that everyone loves, a good hoodie, especially now when stylish comfort is essential. So get everyone on your list, and maybe even yourself, a classic full zip hoodie from American Giant. Uh, Gia loves her hoodie, she swears by it. Tim's used American Giant hoodies, he loves the quality of them. You should too. Uh, American Giant is about the journey, not just the destination. They're obsessed with the details from start to finish, so they use the best quality materials and support local manufacturers and workers. Slate called their hoodies the greatest hoodie ever made, so find out why. Explore American Giant's collection of durable essentials at American-Giant.com. And you can get 20% off when you use code KFGD at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com, promo code KFGD. We're also brought to you by Credit Karma. If you've ever felt overwhelmed when it comes to handling your personal finances, you're not alone. And Credit Karma is here to help you make those big calls with more confidence. Whether you're refinancing credit card debt or paying for an upcoming expense, Credit Karma uses your credit data to show you fresh personal loan offers that are personalized just for you. It's totally free and easy to sign up for a Credit Karma account with no effect on your credit score. Credit Karma will even show you your approval odds so you can choose offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. On Credit Karma, you can check out multiple loan offers side by side with easy to compare estimate terms to make sure you get the best deal. And once you've got a loan, Credit Karma will help you track your progress as you pay off your debt and even let you know if you can refinance and save. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers with your approval odds right now. Go to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. All right, let's continue on. Tim, as we were just talking about Bucks Next DLC, I look on Twitter during the ads and I see that Greg Miller had tweeted a video to Imran Khan. Kevin, if you're able to, can you pull up this video? Because I think it yeah, has to yeah, do yeah, yeah. with what we were just talking about. Yeah, well, the, the source of this was, before you hit play there, Kev, uh, the source of this was Imran tweeted at Greg uh, saying, 
God, now of course I can't find it because I just had it pulled well, up. Let me, let me find this. Was it Imran saying that he wasn't going to include Greg in the yes. write-up or some shit? Yeah, it was. But I want to get the phrasing right before we watch this video. Oh, God, Greg tweets so much. This is this is my hell going through oh, Greg Miller's Twitter. Oh, I, I, found okay. it, I found it. I refuse to write a story about at Game Over Greg getting trophies into the Bugstacks DLC for fear of enabling him. And this mm. video is Greg's response. Hey, Imran, it's me, Greg Miller former co-worker of yours before you went to fan but uh i saw your tweet that you don't want to write a story about me getting bug snacks dlc trophies so i thought i would take a break from parenting a newborn to give you an exclusive video interview is that a baby friend so, like, you don't want yeah, to do it i'll just baby. i'll ask myself the questions and then i'll respond to them and i'll ask them like you would ask them and you can just put this up on fanbite and you can put up you know exclusive video interview with greg miller the guy who changed uh playstation trophies for the, the rest of the world Benjamin, please. <laughs> the baby is making this video. So, first and foremost, do I have too much power in the video game industry, Imran? No. No. Oh, I, I, you were, you're asking the question. So, first things first, Greg, do you have too much power in the video game industry? No, Imran, of course I don't. I'm just one man speaking for the PlayStation faithful. You know what I mean? A job I've been doing for 15 years now, being out there advocating like Paul Heyman would. Uh, and it's, you know... A sad state of affairs that developers just don't understand how much the PlayStation audience wants trophies. And so it drives me crazy, of course, when I see games I love. And I know that you don't love it, Imran, but games like I love, like Avengers, come out. And, like, their Black Panther DLC doesn't have trophies? Are you kidding me? Like, what are you thinking? So, like, when you see someone like Square Enix fuck it up like that, you go, man, you guys just don't understand the audience. When I see an independent developer like Young Horses, you know, miss that boat, I'm happy to help them. I'm happy to get in there, get my hands dirty. Like I said, I will build the trophy list for them for free if they want more to. Demented. They just have to tell me if that's a yay or a nay and then explain to me what's happening to the DLC for me to do it, right? So what's your next question, Imran? He doesn't have another one. No. That's a great <laughs> question. I guess I have to say a question out loud. It doesn't work if I just hear it in my head, does it? <laughs> do you need help, Jen? <laughs> Okay, good. Jen's taking care of my baby over there. Uh, so what's my next... This is you now, Imran. Well, what's my next question, Greg? That's a great question. I really don't have anything else beyond that, except, like, of course, do you feel bad that I'm always going out of my way to shit on the things you love on Twitter? Greg, because that was you, Imran, and then it'll be me again. No, Imran, I, I totally get it. You're a character. It's a character you do where you just always got to be out on the outskirts of the opinions. You know what I mean? And when you left, I was like, ah, oh, doggone, I'm going to miss that. I won't get that anymore. And then we hired Janet Garcia. And I tell you, Imran, Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? <laughs> it doesn't like Uncharted. Jesus Christ. But that's all off the record. Don't put that in the interview. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got so much to say. I, what I will say is uh, the baby in the background makes this video. Like the, just like Greg in in the front of this video, t talking to himself, playing both sides of him and Emron, by itself is crazy and demented on a level beyond what I've seen from Greg Miller. Typically, the baby in the background just crying for help, <laughs> just wanting any form of <laughs> just wanting any form of attention, <laughs> and Greg being caught up. It. Greg being caught up on this whole trophy business with the Bug Snacks DLC. Meanwhile, the baby is like, "Can you please just feed me? I, can you change my diapers? Somebody, please." Jen was Somebody. handling it. Jen was handling it. Oh, Jesus! God damn it! God damn it! Greg Miller. Tim, let's talk about story number five. Let's uh, do that. I'm calling this one to keep an eye on. Uh, there is a new open world action RPG that's been announced called Honor of Kings World. I'm pulling from Sal Romano at Gamatsu. Kevin, in the doc, I have a link to the trailer if you want to pull that up as I'm reading through the story. 
publisher Tencent Games and developer Timmy Studio Group have announced Honor, Honor of Kings World, an open-world action RPG based on the hit mobile game Honor of Kings, planned for a worldwide release on multiple platforms. Early state was not announced. The companies also announced a collaboration with science fiction writer Liu Sashin, uh, known for the three-body problem and more, who will bring his unique perception of Chinese culture and aesthetics to Honor of Kings world. Honor of Kings is a competitive battle game released for iOS and Android in November 2015 in China. According to Timmy, Timmy Studio Group, it was the first game to average 100 million daily active users in the world and is one of the world's highest grossing games of all time. This is a fun and interesting one because one, this is I, this is one of the ones that is a reminder of how big the games industry is and how like segmented it can be. Because I had not heard of uh, Honor of Kings, uh, but also I think this is part of that ongoing story of how much bigger the game space and game development community in, Japan, in um, uh, China uh, has been getting because we've been getting games that look fantastic and immaculate <laughs> out of China, right? And a lot of them are in trailer form. A lot of them are announced and we've seen like gameplay trailers and shit, uh, but some we have gotten to play, right? Like some stuff like Genshin Impact and other games uh, seem like really cool, promising stuff that has come out of China. This is another one where as I was watching the gameplay trailer, trailer I was like, holy shit, this looks yeah. incredible. No, I mean, honestly, you kind of just nailed it there. It's like a lot of these games coming out of China had that holy shit kind of thing to them where you, we don't often watch trailers nowadays and get that. And I feel like it does happen a lot uh, with these Chinese games. And I, I think it's just a different type of development, and a different type of vision for them. And I'm very interested to see when and if these numbers will ever kind of translate over into the the west at all like if we if we start seeing major major successes here because like we've seen it happen with things like minecraft right kind of change the landscape of what gaming is and can be in a mainstream way and then mobile games obviously kind of did their own thing but like this is a it's a new kind of branch and a new kind of idea that's like huge over there and like tencent has their hands all over it but it's like i wonder how much this is going to affect gaming at large, mainstream yeah. Western gaming at large in 10 years, you oh, know, yeah. looking back and it's like looking at the, like the, even the success that Genshin has had, what other things can like, what's the next step from that? Yeah. You know, like what's going to replicate that exact thing? Because yeah, you look at this and it's like, holy shit, this looks good. And then you look at the original mobile game that came out in 2015. And again, the, the first game to average a hundred million daily active users and over here, we just have no idea about it. You know, we just go on playing the games that we we know and love because, you know, the, the, the games that we know and love are the games that have made their way over here. But as we've seen with games like Genshin and, and as we've seen with uh, more and more of these games being announced and more and more of these trailers making it over and people coming through and evangelizing these games, you know, I'm, I, I'm with you that 10 years from now, these games might change the game in terms of what they're doing for how we're, how we're, how we're viewing video games uh, and game design based on what they're doing in China, but then also how many of these games are, have by that point made their way over here and become huge, huge sensations over here, right? Like, I think that is a thing that could very realistically happen. I'm very curious to see. And I really want to play this because this looks really cool. Tim, mm -hmm. let's move on to story number six. Like I said, it's a big Roper Report day. We got two more stories. Story number six, it's official. We got no more Cyberpunk updates coming out in 2021. I'm pulling from Matt Kim at IGN. In an updated roadmap, CD Projekt has revealed that any further updates, including the free DLC and next-gen console updates, will not be coming until 2022. Effectively, there will be no more Cyberpunk 2077 updates for the remainder of the year. CD Projekt released an updated roadmap on October 28th, along with the previously announced next-gen update delay for Cyberpunk 2077 and The Witcher 3. The new roadmap ends 2021 with patch 1.31, which was released in September. 
The Cyberpunk 2077 roadmap has undergone a couple of changes since it was first revealed, with plans for free DLC and the next-gen console update planned for the second half of 2022. This is one that is another it's another one that's not a surprise per se because we did get the official delay of Cyberpunk 2077 next gen uh coming out next year as opposed to this year but uh it is very much like a newsy keeping you up to date hey no updates either right like this what you have right now is what you're going to get for the remainder of the year as far as Cyberpunk on console uh and so yeah we'll keep continue to look out for yeah what the Cyberpunk updates are not a surprise Story number seven, our final Roper Report story. Uh, PAX South has been canceled for the foreseeable future. This is Brendan Sinclair at GamesIndustry.biz. Not every in-person gaming, gaming convention will be returning after COVID-19, as the organizers of PAX South today announced that they were done with the San Antonio-based show for the foreseeable future. Quote, while each of our other events have flourished, uh, some of them drawing hundreds of thousands of attendees from around the world, PAX South hasn't expanded to some extent, uh, uh, or PAX South has expanded and to some extent has remained the same show that it was when we opened it in 2015, organizers said on the event's official site. The statement also acknowledged that the pandemic had compounded those existing issues with the show. The first PAX South took place in January 2015. The last PAX South show was held in January of 2020. Tim, how did this one hit you? I mean, it's a major bummer for the people because this was one of the only shows that was gaining ground uh, in terms of like kind of middle of America at all. Like there, there's a ton of shows on uh, both coasts, but there's very few of substance uh, of a substantialness like substance isn't the right word but i guess it is you know you get what i'm saying there uh in in terms of like the kind of like texas or anywhere else so i feel like it was a great place for people to go that weren't going to make the trip all the way out to, to one of the coasts and it was growing it was kind of turning into this thing where it was definitely the little brother it was smaller than the other uh, pax prime or uh you know pax east but uh it had some some cool moments. I know there's a ton of kind of funny best friends that would go and the, they held down a, a big part of it oh, like yeah. I, I, and they had such a, a blast down there. So this is definitely a bummer uh, from that regard, but I also am very interested to see what the future of cons even is um, in the world that we're in now. And if 2022 is, I mean, 2022 is definitely not going to look the same as it used to. I don't know that it ever will. It probably won't. Mm. Um, but I, I think that we'll, we'll start to see some things come back. And then I think that this isn't going to be the end of the shows being canceled. I think there's more cancellations to come. Yeah. Yeah. This one is a little bit of a bummer, but not a surprise, just given how big both PAX West and PAX East are. And PAX South very much was, you nail it, the, the little brother of the, the PAX events. And, you know, judging from what I've talked to people about, like, I've not been to PAX South. I have been to both PAX West and PAX East. Uh, but I, I've, I've also been to RTX Austin, which had a lot of people that would end up going to PAX, uh, PAX South because mm -hmm. they're, uh, I mean, they're both in Texas. And they're both, like, big, nerdy, video game-centric uh, conventions. And talking to people who, who went to RTX, I think I got a lot of the sentiment of, yeah, you know, PAX South... It's fun to go to, but it's definitely not like it, it, it's not the big PAX event that you'd want it to be from what you know of a PAX West or a PAX East. And so given what the world has be has become with COVID and the pandemic and all this stuff, it makes sense that for whatever the next PAX South would be, if the numbers there would be less than what PAX South already is, I could see them going, no, nah, let's just not do it then because it's not worth it. You know, like, let's just focus on the other the other big 
packs events and make those as big and, and awesome as possible and like focus on maintaining those, especially now that those are going to change now that we've reached this side Absolutely. this side of the pandemic. Let's focus on those and making those the best that they can be and just forget about PAX South or maybe revisit it in like five years or whenever the world is actually ready for a PAX South to return. Um, mm. But yeah, it is it is sad. It is a bummer from the standpoint of I, I do wish there were more big uh, video game centric cons that were between PAX West and PAX West and PAX uh, East because PAX West is in Seattle, right? That is the most West you can get. PAX East is in Boston. And then like if you're in if you're in the Midwest, right? Or if you're in the South, I feel like the options are very limited in terms of video game stuff. Like it's very, very niche. And so like, you know, hopefully maybe down the line somebody's able to figure it out and throw a big convention. Um that is a good compromise for people who are located more in the middle of the country. But you know, either way Rest in peace for now. Pack South, gone but not forgotten. <laughs> Tim, I can't wait for the return of Pack South. In from five years from now, ten years from now, who knows? Who All knows? I know is that the return is so far away. If I want to come out to Mom Drop Shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform is listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show host each and every weekday. Plus, I just want to say. That last week, last Friday, when we played Mario Party, mm-hmm. it changed my perspective of you taking a sip out of that goddamn tall iced coffee. There's oh, just man. something about the smugness on your face when you say some bullshit and then you would just start sipping as we're all just like, I fucking hate you. And you got what you deserve. That's all I'm going to say. I'm, I'm glad I finally got to like play <laughs> like some a competitive game with you guys in like that kind of scenario because I've not gotten to like play my villain role as much. And I love playing the villain. It was like, incredible. I, I'm like, when I say that I've listened to Greg Miller on podcasts and shit for the last, I guess, almost decade at this point like i've listened to greg miller right i've adopted a lot of those fucking <laughs> villain scamp tendencies and so like that is ble- that is bless unleashed uh oh. not the game the person uh Love and it. so look forward to that once to play some more of mario party in the distant future because lord knows i'm not touching a mario party <laughs> controller anytime soon because fuck that game jesus christ out today we got the legend of tian ding for switch and pc x dace for switch QB play- these sound like the most made up games. QB planets for Switch, dogs organized neatly for PC, and then <laughs> Ghosts and Apples is now live on Nintendo Switch. Uh, we got an NVIDIA GeForce update for you. Uh, remember, we partnered with NVIDIA to keep you updated on all the latest GeForce RTX additions to your favorite games from ray tracing to NVIDIA DLSS to NVIDIA Reflex. NVIDIA DLSS is now accelerating performance with uncompromised image quality in over 120 games and apps with even more being added uh, every month, including Battlefield 2042. Uh, in Battlefield 2042, EA and DICE are introducing ray traced ambient occlusion, which accurately adds shadows where game elements occlude light. Be that between a soldier and a wall, a tank and a tarmac, uh, or foliage in the ground. This is in addition to previously announced DLSS and reflex uh, or and reflex technologies in game, which will improve game performance and reduce latency, respectively. And then new dates for you. you got one new date. Uh, the fantastic looking Bloodborne PS1 D make is out January 31st. And Kevin, this is the one, or this is one that if you're able to pull it up, I have it in the dock, I have it highlighted. Tim, are you familiar with the PS1 D make of Bloodborne? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, it this, looks fucking awesome. It looks really cool. This is one that is fan made, and Kevin is playing it right now for the video viewers. And uh, yeah, like somebody went in and was like, "Yo, I, I just want to take Bloodborne and I want to make it look like a PS1 game." And watching the trailer for it looks immaculate. It is such a good translation into the, the PS1 uh, style. And so, like, I'm all about this. I can't wait for this to come out. I definitely want to try this. I know Tamor Hussein out there is probably super hyped for this as well as, as well as your Andy Cortezes and all your Bloodborne fans out there. So, hell yeah. Go just get so em. I love taking games and making them look like older generation games because every single console has a specific look to it. You know, like the there's so many triangles with those polygons on the PlayStation. The N64 always looked kind of circly and smudgy. Yeah. You know, it was like it was like drawn with crayon, and then somebody just kind of put their thumb on it. Like I just love that type of shit. Yeah. No, this is this this looks super cool. Uh, we got deal of the day for you coming to game pass on uh, november 2nd we got minecraft and unpacking november 4th you're getting it takes two and kill it with fire november november 9th you're getting football manager 2022 and forza horizon 5 then on november 11th you're getting gta san andreas and one step from eden uh, we also got playstation now update for you uh november 2021 playstation now editions are as follows you're getting mafia definitive edition Final Fantasy IX, Celeste, and totally reliable delivery service. To which I say, why would you release that at the same time as the Xbox Game Pass? Uh, <laughs> uh, because goddamn, like people often come at us on like PS Love You and other shit, and they're like, "Oh, you guys give you guys give uh, PlayStation Now so much shit compared to Xbox Game Pass." You guys are always hyping up Game Pass. This is why, because <laughs> look at these two offerings. Again, you're getting Mafia, Final Fantasy IX, Celeste, and totally reliable delivery service, like which is like a decent offering. But then you look at Game Pass, and it's like, oh, you're getting Minecraft PC, Unpacking, It Takes Two, Kill It With Fire, Football Manager 2022, Forza Horizon fucking 5, GTA San Andreas, and a game called One Step From Eden. And it's like, come on, guys. Come on, come on. guys. Come on, guys. Incomparable. Incomparable. Tim, before we get out of here, we got to do a squad up. Uh, remember, you can write into patreon.com slash kind of funny games where we can get the show ad free, get in the questions, and also get in the squad ups. Moto writes in with a squad up on Xbox and PC and says, We are just over a month until Halo Infinite drops. Let's send Halo Master Chief Collection off with a bang. Uh, I can do matchmaking, co op campaign missions, or even fun custom game, lo game lobbies. Also, challenging anyone out there to some 1v1s for old times' sake. If you want to play some Halo Master Chief Collection with, moda you can add them with the username moda that is m-o-d-a now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong where you write in list of what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct it for those watching later on youtube.com slash games and on podcast services around the globe and it looks like this one's cool it's editorializing okay. but i read it you should read it Gotcha, gotcha. So Borzin00 writes in and says, what is also helpful for Azure uh, to these companies is that there is an engine agnostic tool called PlayFab for live service games that handles all the multiplayer services where AWS and Google Cloud Platform are either tied to an, an engine uh, or, hold on, this trails off a little bit for me, or uh, are third-party things. Also, funny story, uh, PlayStation is still, so, still shown as using AWS infrastructure. Oh, that's interesting. So there are, there are inherent benefits, basically, to using uh, Microsoft's Azure cloud servers compared to AWS and, and Google. Did, mm -hmm. Didn't PlayStation make a deal with Microsoft to use Azure? Wasn't that yeah. a big story? Like, And that hasn't kicked in yet? I guess That's what we were talking about in the yeah. first story. That right. they're, How they're going to use it is different, where they're going to do it as a PlayStation-specific platform. Mm. And that he was saying, Jim Ryan, as of this year in April, was saying that... Um, he thinks that by the end of this generation, they will be more actively using it. 
Yeah. Mm. Very excited to see where that stuff goes. But for now, let me tell you where this week is going to go in Kind of Funny Games Daily Host. Tomorrow, you're getting me and Gary Witta, possibly. Tim, is that confirmed? He, it, I'm the backup. It, he says okay. he's in, but he has this baby too. So we'll see what's up. But we'll it's either going to be blessing Gary or blessing me. Wednesday, you're getting me and Andy. Thursday, you're getting Tamor and Tim for Tim TM Thursdays. Then on Friday, it's me and Janet Garcia. If you're watching this live on Twitch, after this is some Mario Party superstars to determine who will win the title of CEO of Kind of Funny. If you want to catch that stream later, you can go over to youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. Remember, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Remember, every week, uh, each and every weekday, live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames, we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, game daily.